You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farah of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. These are treacherous people. and These guys, they deal hardcore, right? These guys, you don't think I'm going to take care of you? Okay, Lord. The unrighteous are against us, but God is for us. And like the psalmist in verse 154, we can be assured that God will plead our cause and take our side because He is for us. What's your first thought when you face an obstacle in life? Do you find yourself intimidated and ready to find an easier way or just give up? As Pastor J.D. encourages us in today's message, when you're a child of God, you should never live in fear. You have the God of the universe on your side, and when He lights your path, nothing can stand in your way. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 119 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. I don't feel it. I surely don't see it. But by faith, I know it. And that settles it. And why do I know it by faith? Because you've told me, you've given me your word. Is faith in the God of the Word and the Word of God. It's by faith. We live by faith. Sight is the antithesis of faith. If I see it, it's not faith. And what is it about us innate within our sin nature, our human nature really, that demands to see? We want to walk, our flesh wants to walk by sight. You know, we we have that saying, seeing is believing. I, I want to flip that around. Believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. How many times throughout Scripture is it believing, then seeing? Unbelief, I don't see. Believing is seeing. Not seeing is believing. That's not faith. Believing is seeing. You believe, you'll see. According to your faith, let it be done unto you. Let me just say lastly before we get to the next stanza. Never interpret the difficult circumstances as the absence or the distance of God. Oh, He's there. He told you, He gave you His word that He will never leave you or forsake you. James says, you draw near to him, he'll draw near to you. I don't feel it, doesn't matter. God said it, that settles it. Believe it by faith. Believe it by faith. And the feelings will follow, by the way. And sometimes, by the way, one last thing. I know I said that one last thing ago. This is the last, last thing on this stanza. Isn't it true that when you walk by faith, that God blesses that? Because without faith it's impossible to please God, which means that by f- when we walk in faith, we are pleasing to God, and He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him and draw near to Him. Verse 153, Consider my affliction 
and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me, revive me according to your word. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great are your tender mercies, verse 156. Oh Lord, revive me according to your judgments. Many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet, there's that word yet again, I do not turn from your testimonies, properly positioned where it belongs. Verse 158. This is interesting. He says, I see the treacherous and am disgusted. It's a sanctified disgust. Why? Because they do not keep your word. They have no interest in your word. Consider verse 159, how I love your precepts. Revive me, O Lord, according to your loving kindness. The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Interesting section. The psalmist is contrasting, painting this contrast of sorts between the wicked and the righteous. And rightfully he sheds himself as in this favorable light as one who is righteous. And in again a sanctified way he has this disgust for the unrighteous, particularly in verse 158 and 159 where he says he's, he's disgusted. I kind of like that word. That's a strong word, isn't it? How would you like to be on the receiving end? Maybe you have. When someone looks at, at you and just says to you, you disgust me. I do? Oh my God. That's like the worst possible thing that you could ever, I mean, I disgust you really that bad? Yeah, I disgust you? I mean, disappoint you, maybe. But disgust you? I mean, it's almost like, God, you're, you're disgusting. I'm disgusting? Yeah, pretty strong. And especially in the context of those who are treacherous. That's an interesting word, not a word we use very much in our vocabulary today. But he contrasts that with his love for the Word of God. Now, there's a very important principle here that can be easily missed at first read, and it has to do with God's favor in our lives. Let me explain this. In fact, I want to say it was about a month ago, maybe longer, had a situation where I was interacting, transacting with uh, someone who I knew was not a believer. And I kind of went into this transaction with this thought like, you know, man, this guy's getting the best of me, and you know, I don't want to blow my witness here, and I got I want to be bold, but not, you know, too much where, because listen, I, <laughs> I, am, I am fully capable of, you know, being, well, how do I say this without, I want to sound pastoral when I say it, so how do I say it? Maybe I 
best way to say it is not to say it at all. How about that? I am fully capable of, let me put it this way, getting into the flesh. And so I'm, I'm kind of coming into this thing, and I'm, you know how you think through how you, what you're going to say, and when we get to that part, I'm going to make sure, right? And the Lord just stopped me. Like, what are you doing? What? <laughs> I, I, I called you out of that corporate world, that corporate, you know, rat race, which, by the way, have you ever heard the expression, even if you win the rat race, you're still a rat. I called you out of that. Why are you going back into that? Why are you acting like that? I have a higher calling in your life. You represent me. This guy that they're going to be sitting across the desk from knows not only are you a Christian, you're a pastor. I hate that, don't you? When somebody's, and you call yourself a Christian. You know what I sometimes hear, and you call yourself a pastor, to which I usually respond, honey, <laughs> quit, <laughs> quit saying that to me. Anyway, I'm kidding, sort of. But um, I always kind of get a kick out of it, because when usually you hear that, it's from a non-Christian, and they're kind of posturing themselves on, as an expert on how a Christian is to be. Oh, oh, you're a Christian then, because you just got done saying to me, and you call yourself a Christian. Oh, so you're the expert on what a Christian is to be. I had no idea. I don't say that. I want to. My flesh is right there wanting to say something like that. So in this particular situation, I'm, I'm kind of going into it. I mean, I got all my guns loaded. That's not very uh, good to say these days, but I mean, I've got, I'm just ready. I'm going in, man. I'm gonna, and the Lord's like, hey, wait just a minute here. Do you trust me? Well, of course I do, Lord. No, no, no. Do you, do you really trust me? Do, do you believe that I'm going to bless you because you belong to me. You are not your own. You've been bought with a price. You're under new management. Don't you think I'm going to take care of you? You think I'm going to let, I mean, so here I am, right? I'm quoting all the scriptures, usually out of context. Well, I want to be as shrewd as a serpent. Harmless as a dove. But shrewd as a serpent. That's not exactly the right context. Nice try, though, JD. That was good. I'll give you that. No, you're going to go in, and you're not going to use any of that stuff that you learned in the secular world, in the corporate arena. You're just going to go in, and you're going to watch what I'm going to do. And i got to tell you, I, I left that meeting just almost with a, well, certainly with a repentant heart. <laughs> Lord, I am so sorry. It was a godly sorrow that led to a genuine repentance. It turned out so much better than I could have ever imagined, and so much so that the other individual was starting to ask me questions that he would not have otherwise asked me had I gone in the way I wanted to. Questions like, uh, where's your church located again? Oh, that's, uh, how's that one, right? It's like, well, okay, so um, okay then. And it was like the Lord was saying, listen, I, I, I know 
that there are those who oppose you. Those who are against you. And this, you know, initially it was kind of like, you know, because you're a Christian, you know how it is when the world thinks that Christians are just really naive and ignorant when it comes to business matters. And, and certainly pastors, the stereotype for pastors is, is that, you know, we're just basically buffoons which is one of my pet peeves. I don't mean to vent here, but maybe I am. One of my biggest pet peeves is when the world thinks that Christians are just really stupid idiots, and they get taken advantage of. And sadly, sometimes that is the case. And I think I was kind of going into this overcompensating for it, and the Lord was like, do you think I'm going to take care of you? Yeah, but you don't understand, man. There's kind of this, you know, antagonistic... You know, th- this guy's against me, and, and you know, I've I got to be, i got to, you know, be strong and shrewd, and no, no, he's, uh, I'm for you, remember? Oh, yeah. And if I'm for you, who can be against you? Why don't you just let me take care of you? Like the psalmist is saying, yeah, and, and here we're complaining, yeah, but they're treacherous. They're really shrewd. And if I would let them, I, I would let them intimidate me. And I'm not, not going to be intimidated, I'll tell you that right now. Because these, these are treacherous people, and these guys, they deal hardcore, right? These guys, you don't think I'm going to take care of you? Okay, Lord. The unrighteous are against us, but God is for us. And like the psalmist in verse 154, we can be assured that God will plead our cause and take our side because He is for us. You know, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible is Romans 8, the whole chapter. I always recommend this for anyone who is struggling with God's love for them. They don't feel, there's that word again, that God really loves them or is for them. And they're being crushed under the weight of the enemy's guilt and condemnation, this infrastructure of guilt and condemnation that the devil builds in their lives. That's why the first verse of Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul says by the Spirit that, there is therefore now no condemnation, no guilt to those that are in Christ Jesus. Verse 28, we love verse 28, right? We all know it by heart. For we know, not hope, think, wish, no, we know that God works all things together for the good to them that love Him and are the called according to His purpose, which we're told in the next verse, verse 29, what His purpose is, which is to make us more like Christ. To mold us and shape us and fashion us into the image of His Son. Then verse 31 through 33 of that chapter, listen to what Paul says. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, and He certainly is, that's rhetorical, Who can be against us? Are you kidding me? 
If it, wait, 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 wait. Let's, let's just think through the logic of this. <laughs> I have God, the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is, and he's for me? <laughs> who, who, who's going to possibly come against me? Who's going to prevail over me? This is the psalmist pleading and crying out, God, you're for me. Plead my cause. Plead my cause. If God is for us, who can be against us? Let me say this just as a side. Never, 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 never let anybody ever take this posture of intimidating you. If God is for you, yeah, but they're against me. You got the butt in the wrong spot again. I'm sorry to say it that way. No, they're against me, but God is for me. <laughs> I think about David and Goliath. My favorite, I know they're all my favorite, but my favorite account in all of Scripture, here's this little ruddy teenage boy with a slingshot and five stones, coming up against this giant, some believe over nine feet tall. And I mean, even his helmet weighed more than probably David weighed. Just his helmet. Just the thing he was wearing on his head. Should have covered his forehead, but that's another story for another time. And here's, here's this, this, this uncircumcised Philistine that's been blaspheming the God of Israel for 40 days and 40 nights. And here comes David. And Goliath's like, is this a, am I being punked? Where's the cameras? Is this a joke? Are you, what, what, what are you doing? Go home little boy. And then there's this going back and forth, and I'm going to feed you to the birds, and I'm going to eat you for lunch, and spit out the leftovers. I mean, he just goes on and on. And it's like David says, I'm sorry, sir. I'm obviously paraphrasing and being very diplomatic. There must be a huge misunderstanding here. Do you actually think that it's you against me? Oh, Boy, are you in for a rude awakening. Um, you, you think it's you against me? No, no. You might be against me or think that you're against me, but the God you blasphemed is for me. And if God is for me, how do I say this again in a pastoral way? You are Toast. Let's just say that. Toast. Since I used toaster earlier, we'll say toast. And it's like, it's like David, you, you start off, when David goes out and you think, oh, poor David. And then after David kind of clarifies the situation and says, this is you're against me, but God is for me, so your history. And then you start feeling sorry for this nine foot tall giant, right? One very interesting detail in that account, David runs toward him. 
I assure you, Goliath had never seen that before. I think that kind of astonished and stunned him, because nobody runs toward him, they're running away from him. And here David, because God is for him, he runs toward him. That's how we should be. And then Paul expounds in verse 32, and he says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Did you catch that? I mean, it's, again, sort of rhetorical in a way, but what he's saying is, I mean, again, just think about the logic of this. God loves you. God is for you. God loves you so much. He gave His only begotten Son to die for you. And you think that He won't graciously give you all things? I mean, if He was unwilling to withhold His only begotten Son, why would He withhold anything from you? If it's good, God is going to give it to you because He gave you His only begotten Son. God is for you. God will give you anything, all things, graciously. He will not spare His Son. Why would He be so sparing in giving you all things? And then He says, verse 33, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen, it is God who justifies. I just love the, maybe you'll just indulge me for just one more moment, but I just love the strength of this. You know, sometimes I think the enemy just beats us up so much and beats us down so much that we forget who we are in Christ that we're not just conquerors, we're more than conquerors. Because God is for us. Is there anything that He would withhold from us, not do for us? Greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. God is for me. God loves me. God will do anything for me. If it's good, it's God. It's a done deal. Every good and perfect gift, James says, comes from the Father above. And he's not back and forth, wishy-washy, shifting shadows here, there, then over here. No. If it's good, it's God. And he's for us. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Psalms. While our time with you is ending, your study of God's Word doesn't have to. Everyone can learn from the Bible, and everyone will be blessed when they open their hearts to its truth. As you spend time in Scripture today, ask God to share His heart directly with yours, and be open to whatever He has to teach you. Know that we're praying for you as you study and will continue to do so each time we produce a new edition of In Spirit and Truth. Are you in the Kaneohe area? If so, we'd love to have you come be a part of our weekly services. 
Calvary Chapel Kaneohe meets each week to spend time praising the Lord and learning from His Word. Find out more about us and get directions at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can also hear additional teachings from Pastor J.D. while you're there or download our mobile app for Apple and Android devices to access these messages anywhere and everywhere. We'd also like to point out Pastor J.D.'s Mideast Prophecy Update. Each Friday and Saturday, Pastor J.D. updates us on where the world is in conjunction with the prophecies of the Bible. He takes the time to comb through the news and tell us how world events line up with God's plan as stated in His Word. If you'd like to view the latest edition of the Mideast Prophecy Update, visit our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. Thanks for joining us today for Pastor J.D.'s teaching, and we hope you'll tune in again right here on In Spirit and Truth.